everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 104. My name is Gabe Estel. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. Guys, how are you holding up? Just living my best quarantine life, man. You know, Jonathan looks like he's living his best cornholio life with the, the thing like that pulled up. You know, <laughs> great cornholio. <laughs> right. Yes. yes. Right. Speaking this of TV what for bungles, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Well, shit, man. I was about to say, man. This this podcast has been working remotely since 2014. All right. <laughs> yeah. Man. God, God, yeah. it took so took so long for everybody to catch up. Yeah, we, but, were, uh, we were the we were the forefathers of social distancing. Right. <laughs> Step off our Skype bandwidth. <laughs> it's been a while. We took uh, we took the month of February off, and then when we come back, what do you know? <laughs> the world's fucking ending. Um, so so obviously we're not going to take another hiatus again that long, okay? <laughs> because there are. There are dire consequences when we do that, as you can see. We will finish this list. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so, I mean, I I put in a, a, a phone call to the guy upstairs and was like, we need a little more time for our top 100. If you could give us like a pandemic to, to delay the MLB season, you know. And by that guy upstairs, he's talking to Lemmy. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Who else would it be? Yeah. Right. Totally. Totally. That's all. That's all. That's the only one clocking in my book. Um, but anyway, so to our audience, I hope uh, you and yours are uh, navigating this new reality, as they call it. Um, successfully stay healthy stay uh as happy as you can i know it's tough out there right now so i hope uh hope everybody uh is able to at least settle in for a little while and spend some time with us hang out if you are a new listener and you've never heard the podcast, let's say this is your first one guess what this is episode 104 there are 103 others out there that you can doubt you can listen to you can stream them you can download them at rockchew.com. You can find all of them there. You can find all of them on all your favorite podcast apps, the Stitcher, the Spreaker. I prefer the Downcast. Downcast, the um, the, the LeviCast, what, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to listen. Yeah. We're pretty much out. We're out there on all of them. Or you can, uh, you can check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts as well. So a lot of different ways you can consume your chew. So anyway, um, we're like Jonathan Mitchell. We're going to keep going through this list um, of things we're grateful for. About as I was talking earlier before we hit record, two two of life's greatest pleasures that are suspended right now: <laughs> baseball and music. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, and talk about those. Uh, let everybody kind of uh, wax nostalgically here for a little while. Um, I'll go ahead and start. All right, and so we're is, in the mid fifties. We're, we're, we're around fifty-five. It's okay. unofficial, but around this, fifty-five. This, this one's number eighteen on my list, guys. Okay, and I think I've I think I've caught up to date. I'm caught up here. All right, this one is. Um, I mean, this was happening musically, but also culturally in the eighties, uh, mid to late eighties. I'm talking about the satanic craze in metal. Um, first of all, I'm all for it. Okay, right? I think we all know, regardless of your beliefs, Satan has a far better record collection 
than Jesus. All right. I think I think we could all agree on that. Um, and um, in the 80s, uh, you know, there it was. Well, let's just say Satan was um, was 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 a, was, a, was a source of inspiration for many artists in the 80s. Some of it like tongue in cheek. Others of it, I guess. I don't know, sort of a little, uh, a little more serious, but all, um, it's, uh, it's something that, that I think, uh, ultimately is good for heavy metal. Like it's to the point where like, not as much as it, it did back then, but like it's heavy metal will always have that connotation to it around it because of what happened during this time period. And even a little bit before as well, you know, with People first heard Black Sabbath, they were wigging right. out, things like that. The Devil's but, Triad. Yeah, right. But, you know, and just kind of like all the the hoopla and the Geraldo specials and the oh, yeah. the myths, you know, surrounding oh. it. Yeah. Um, you know, playing shit backwards. You know, the fact that a band like Kiss, like there were not many, but a handful of crazy people who thought that legitimately KISS stood for Knights and Satan's service, right? <laughs> that ACDC stood for Against Christ, Devil's Children. That WASP stood for Worship All Satanic People. So the, the people that were protesting in metal really were obsessed with acronyms. All right? They got off on acronyms, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I look back at it, and it even... Um, it infiltrated Petersburg, too, dude. Like, not, like, I don't think there were, like, people, like, you know, you know, burning, like, you know, Testament and Halloween records outside of a church or anything like that. But there was, like, there was, like, kind of, like, the Satan, like, craze associated with heavy metal made its way through Menard County in, like, the mid to late 80s. I remember there was, like, a vandalism episode out at the high school. Like, it was a basketball game, so there were a ton of cars out there, right? And I remember reading about this in The Observer. There was, like, somebody, like, you know, like, a bunch of kids, like, spray-painted, like, Satan all over the, like, like a, they hit a few cars. <laughs> and then there was, like, I don't know, like, there was, like, a couple other garages. It was mainly just acts of vandalism and, like, people writing, like, you know, on the folders and their Trapper Keepers and shit in 1987, yeah. pentagrams and stuff. Yeah, on pentagrams. But it's still fascinating. Um, I was thinking the other day, um, I... I like the first season of Stranger Things a lot, but I think it's just it's dropped off in quality tremendously. I think that needs to be the storyline for the next season is like the Satan metal craze, you know, because that showed us that showed us minds the 80s, almost to the point where it's a little eye rolling at times, you know. Um, but at the same time, I think that would be an awesome storyline. Like, to my knowledge, like there hasn't been like fictionalized. There hasn't been like scripted drama or comedy that's like tackled that and it was like a big deal i mean like you know there's like a fucking geraldo special there was you oh, know yeah. there's was, there was tipper gore there was there was supreme court there was the judas priest case um with um uh well i mean judas priest was involved in the tipper gore thing but like you know like some kid did something awful and like you know his parents sued judas priest or something like that i mean it's it was just such a pandemonium and nobody's really tackled it you know what i mean and in Oh yeah, like there, hasn't, there, was, there hasn't. To my knowledge, there's not like a like a, a well-known book about it. You know, yeah, I mean, there might like, be a few, but like something that's like really kind of taken off. There, I don't think so. Anyway, I cut you off, Lee. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. I I just I remember. Yeah, there was like a certain time where there was like such a mystique about that of like, yeah, if you saw kids at the school in like Halloween or like, yeah, yes, those those shirts, it was just like, 
Like those kids have made a decision for life. They're, <laughs> right, right. they're too far yeah. gone. <laughs> it said they were yeah, they were out like, of it about three months later. Yeah, right? it's like can't yeah. save them now. <laughs> right. you know? like, like, it was just yeah, and I, like in tying into that, I I didn't experience it with music as much because by the time we were older, it was it was that way with rap. You know what I mean? They had turned their attention to rap. And that, rap lyrics. That, but that crowd needed a new target. You know, I, right? I remember um, when I first started playing Magic the Gathering in, the, in like the mid 90s. Right. There were some cards that would have like pentagrams, or the name of the card was like Demonic Tutor. Or I mean, it's something. kind of rooted in a Dungeons and Dragons like yeah, approach. Yeah. You know, so, right. yeah, I could. People were like, oh, you worship the devil or whatever? You play Magic the Gathering? And it, at the time, it was like absurd in my head to be like, "Are you serious?" You know, what I mean? it's like a card game. So, yeah. yeah, it was so it was nuts, man. I, um, you know, I've got a, uh, I've got, I've got a mix that I made like on Google, like play music um, of the uh, of like satanic sort of influenced metal. I'll have to post it, Jonathan. You can. We can share it on the website, Jonathan. You know, something like that. Certainly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's, that's mine. Uh, behind that closet door, behind Gabe, there's like an altar with some right. <laughs> candles. <laughs> like a D Snyder is going to pop out of the the closet in a second. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it was it was it was something that you know the bands were like smart enough to be like. Fuck yeah, it, keep it, keep it going, man. You know, <laughs> right? I mean, the the you know is it's uh, the sort of the the controversy sells. You know, I mean, it was at the time. It was at a perfect time when you know the pre-internet, pre-cell phone. So right. it was like the whole mystique of them all traveled by like word of mouth. Right. Like right. you know, oh, I'll make yeah. you a tape of this band I heard that they use the word Satan in like four of their songs, man. Right, right. You know, I mean, like, yeah, things had to get passed along that way, you know? Um, so I'll have to it was, it, go ahead. I'll have to dig it up there. I remember in college, there was a website that review, it was a, it was a Christian based website that reviewed records and all they did was look for, uh, like anti, you know, God messages in them. <laughs> and, uh, Hi. uh I hope the music. I hope the music kept them busy then. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll have to dig that up and, and add the link. Cool. Yeah. So it was. It was a. Fa- it's a fascinating, fascinating era in culture. I mean, I know I didn't talk about the the metal as much, but it 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 went beyond that. You know, it was uh, just an interesting slice of history. Good one. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I mean, as long as nobody got hurt, you know. I mean, right. we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, looking back on it, it was pretty damn wholesome. At the yeah, <laughs> you right, know I mean? right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, yeah, good I mean, one, who, man. Who didn't, you know, sacrifice a goat in their backyard? You know, I mean, come <laughs> right, on. Right, yeah. Um, well, for my first one tonight, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about um as a kid. And I've talked about it a little bit before. I, I had a sister that was 10 years older than me. And so I got introduced to MTV at a very young age. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I would be in the other room with my sister who was, like, watching me. And we would just, like, veg out in front of MTV for hours. You would have caught MTV, like, 
like around like like kindergarten or younger, dude. No, yeah, I'm saying you know? probably yeah. like I can remember stuff from MTV from probably like '84. So Damn. like I would have been like yeah. three or four years old around then, and so I can remember stuff from then all the way through, to, you know, till VH1 started, and then if you wanted to keep up with music, you had to watch two channels. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but um. Uh, MTV in that day and age was um, my first introduction to the Rolling Stones. Mm. And that was through the Waiting on a Friend video, which I think originally was released as just like a promo video because I think it came out in like 80 or 81, like pre-MTV. Yeah, Back it's, when on, uh, it's was, on Tattoo You, isn't it? I yeah, think? and yeah. so I think they originally made it as just like a promo video that, you know, they would sometimes show those yeah. on, you know, random TV networks. But once MTV started, they played the hell out of that video in the early days of MTV. Right. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it or if you remember it, but it's it's um, it's basically like Mick Jagger hanging out with like a couple of, re of reggae guys nice. on like a porch singing. And then they go to a bar and he meets Keith Richards and um, then the band's there. And they like get up and play <laughs> and uh -huh. like but like it was just this whole the whole vibe of the video. And and just that sound is it's always going to be my introduction to the Rolling Stones. And like one of the first things I think of when I think of the Rolling Stones, just because that video made such an impact on me as a little kid. Mm -hmm. And um, it just it was one of those things. They played it so much in the early days because it seemed like MTV was like that for a while. You know, if there was something popular, they would rotate it in like every hour oh, yeah. and a half. Oh, yeah. Two hours. They were playing. Yeah, definitely. Which was kind of reassuring because you're like, well, if I didn't get it, you know, <laughs> right? they're going to they're gonna play Dawkins burning like a flame for me, you know, like sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, it's just a classic. And watching it now, it's like super corny. Sure. But it, it's it's totally worth a watch. And um. It's uh, it's just kind of a time capsule of of the stones of that era. Nice. I uh, I have to admit, I I'm not that familiar with it. I'm not familiar with it. I mean, I'm familiar with the tune, obviously, but, but yeah, not, not the video. Yeah. It's interesting that um, all the so many '80s videos are really bad. Oh yeah. It's, and, it's so bad and cheesy that it's good. Yeah. Right. And it, and it's <laughs> and it's funny that in in today's day and age of nostalgia and irony that that I, we're not seeing those uh, remade in any fashion. Right. Uh, and, and nobody's like trying to execute those ironically. Well, so uh, what I think a little bit of that is, is no one wants to take the music as serious anymore. Almost like, what do you mean? Well, I think like you have to be pretty, pretty serious about your music when you're going to make like a video and create a backstory about it. And, there was money. the The record companies had well, money. Well, yeah, it was, it was a way to promote the single. I mean, and so like yeah. nowadays, it seems like no one, no one cares about the whole. It seems like that artistic sure. visual aspect of music has gotten lost a lot along the way. I don't know. I, I I'm always surprised by the amount of videos created by some of the indie artists that that I listen to. That you would and I and I say indie because that means that they don't have much of a budget. Um, 
and and yet they still like will crank out three or four videos for an album right. and and you know they don't they have like 40,000 views it's not it's not a, like no, Beyonce or anything yeah um, and and, and today are lucky that we live in an age when video production is so easy sure oh you know yeah what I, mean? I mean you can like, do it on your iPhone yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> and you can edit them and make them look awesome yeah back yeah. in the day you know the only options you had for editing was like video toaster you're like, do we want like a side swipe or do we want like yeah. a, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. So, so I guess um, if anybody knows, if any of our audience knows of, of any great um, uh, 80s mimicry videos to uh, shoot them our way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I have to admit, you know, yeah. I mean, I think Levi's right in the sense that the video, I mean, obviously it's not the medium it once was just like radio isn't the medium it once was, you know, I mean, like we've. We've got our own MTV, like with YouTube, with like every video we ever we've ever wanted. It's it's um, I don't know. They're not as special as they used to be. No, you know? no, yeah, no. yeah. And it's too bad, man. Because I mean, you know, you people were putting money behind videos then. You know. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Some of the bands that got videos and got like lots of money to make videos. Yeah. Oh yeah. You wouldn't even think about. I mean, especially. Right. In the 80s, once the hair metal thing went off, they were giving money to anybody that yeah, looked like yeah. a hair metal band. Yeah, they're and like, then, Bullet Boys, here's $1.5 million to make a video. <laughs> well, and then it, it, it all went full circle <laughs> then when Alternative hit, and they were given any Alternative band money to make videos. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I um, Betsy and I were, were uh, spinning through the GNR YouTube channel the other night. Nice. And... Uh, uh, they were quick. It, it was weird to see uh, uh, Sweet Child of Mine uploaded 10 years ago. So GNR was on top of the YouTube videos because uh, they, they've been up there for, te- for 10 years. And I think it was probably Welcome to the Jungle had it was up to a billion uh, spins, uh, which is that's there aren't a lot of videos on YouTube that have a billion spins. But but yeah. GNR has one of them. Wow. knees. All right. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. Good deal. Good one. All right. So I'm going to uh, segue over to baseball without a segue. And uh, uh, specifically, uh, one of my favorite things uh, that, that exists in this world that we live in, well, it only partially exists right now, is MLB Tonight on the MLB Network. Mm. And MLB Tonight is a live evening show. And it's there's different incarnations of it. During the season, it's a live evening show hosted by uh, Greg uh, Greg Amsinger, who I think is very good, and a rotating cast of co-hosts uh, where they, they jump around to live action throughout the league and usually focusing on high-leverage situations. Sometimes they switch to the game's broadcast feed or they provide their own commentary during live gameplay. And in between game segments, they'll they'll uh, discuss players and teams throughout the league, all while the league leaderboards are shown in the background for you to kind of like take a peek at. And for me, there's no better way to catch up on what's happening across Major League Baseball than watching MLB Tonight. I could miss like a week's worth of action, and in just a couple hours, MLB Tonight helps reground me and and I feel so much more in the loop. And admittedly, I care less for the chit chat than I do the pure consumption of action and information, even right. if it's like the information that's 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 scrolling behind them. And because Amsinger is a master, and 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 he's kind of the MC, and 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 uh, but Harold Reynolds and Dan Plesak and Billy Rifkin, while I appreciate their MLB experience, 
their commentary can come off as stubborn and outdated a lot of the sure. times. Yeah. But you know, right. you, you you just take it all at the mm-hmm. same time, and and and, and um, uh, you you ignore some things, and then uh, other times, uh, you know, you yeah. you do gain a lot of information. And right. and so MLB tonight, uh, when it's in the middle of the season, and you got like forty five minutes. Uh, to just chill out, it's it's uh, 45 minutes well invested. Mm-hmm. It's the reason I miss cable. You know what I mean? Like I don't sure. have traditional cable anymore, and that's MLB TV is the thing I miss, or MLB Network, excuse me, is the one I miss the most uh, for some of the reasons that you said. That MLB Tonight's just like you know chocolate cake for people like us. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's like it's. It's more than the highlights that you'd see like on Baseball Tonight of ESPN, but it's not the full investment of, you know, sitting down and watching one game for, you know, three, three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to you get to sample and um, you can kind of have shit. You can like do other shit while it's on, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sort of like, I mean, mm-hmm. not, that's not that's not a that's actually strangely enough. That's a compliment to the show. Um, it is. Yeah. So I, I agree, man. It's it's really good stuff. I, I miss it. Um, the uh, yeah, definitely. I I like Burns too. I like I, he's a fucking goofy bastard. I like him. Oh, Eric Burns. Hey, I I yeah. agree. Yeah, he's yeah. probably less old school than those cats that you mentioned. Well, and yeah, if you, yeah. The, those yeah. three you mentioned, if you think about it, are kind of all the same era generation. They are. Players. Yeah, right. So yep. you would think they would like kind of stagger their analysts by like you know sure. by generation a little more to have getting more, better you have more with, of an insight yeah. yeah tome i think is on there too now oh is he okay. okay i think so yeah so they are getting better with it um they need to get brandon mccarthy on there is who they need to get on oh there. yeah he'd be brilliant yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. if I mean, you're on twitter the, for, the format yeah. might not work as well for him you know i mean it yeah. might be a little it might be a little too stilted um but yeah that'd be yeah. that'd be cool it's good yeah. stuff, man. I, I miss it. Um, I I wish like they like I, I miss Quick Pitch too. Um, oh yes, which, yes. Like I wish I God, I wish they would put Quick Pitch on like the next day on YouTube or something. You know, sure. they don't. Sure. But or at least a portion of it. I don't know. But anyway. My yeah. my one of my all time favorite television moments, and we can move on, is uh, watching MLB tonight. And uh, 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 Harold Reynolds, uh, former second baseman for the Seattle Mariners, is uh, ranting about how it's ridiculous that a guy uh, could be considered for the Gold Glove Award uh, when he leads the league in in errors at his position. Yeah. And 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 because uh, I forget who the player was, but but um, he they were they were talking about him winning the Gold Glove and uh, the current player. And HR is going off about it. And then they come back a segment later and Amsinger's like, well, HR, we we did some research and uh, twice uh, uh, you won the gold glove uh, at second base while leading the league. In <laughs> <laughs> and HR just sits there and doesn't say a word. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, no, and we've we talked about Harold before on this show, and I, I understand some of the ambivalence around the guy, but um, I 
I ult- I ultimately I like him at the end of the day. I do you know? too. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like fifty percent of the stuff I totally agree yeah. with, and fifty percent of the stuff I I don't agree with. And, and I like his I, I I like his enthusiasm for the game. You know, he seems, absolutely. He seems like a guy that wakes up every day really excited to talk about baseball. Oh, he's, uh, he's super so, smart, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. He's he can, he can be ridiculous though too. Yeah. Um, and I love him for that. Don't change yeah, it, Gard. Yeah, don't change. Right. 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 Um. All right. My my next one, guys, is um. Gosh, you know, some of these I, I you know, because I wrote this list like when we started this series, like in like, you know, like 17 years ago. Um, 20, with yeah, this, 2018. I think. Right, right. 2018. <laughs> yeah, right. When we started this this countdown. Um, and some of them I look back at and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, you know, I wrote that six months ago. Like, do do I still feel like it's a it's, it's something I'm grateful for? But I'll just throw it out there nonetheless um, and just see what you guys think of it, because I think it's a topic to chew on. Um, it sort of harkens back to what Levi was saying a minute ago with, you know, changing mediums. Um, obviously a band that is fairly notable puts out a record. Now, most people are going to consume it through streaming. Right. Um, but because of that, when we were growing up, you know, bands were confined to 80 minutes or less or fewer on a CD, you know, um, or a tape or a record. But now in the streaming era, you know, bands like are putting out what would be considered double records like all the time. And if you look at like a hip hop album, it's like of a newer hip hop artist, like a hot hip hop artist, you know, it's like it's like 37 tracks or some shit, you know, and I mean, they're not all like one minute either. Um, so it's just I kind of want to get what you guys thought about, like, do you feel like that's a good thing? Because you can exceed the allotted amount and you could put out what may be your your full artistic vision. Or do you think like it's not as good because bands aren't forced to be economical and really like cut down and put on their best material on, um, you know, uh, 80 minutes or less? Do you want to go first, Jonathan? Yeah. Go ahead, Levi. I would say I'm kind of what you just spoke of the latter i i would say in the end maybe the product isn't as good that way um i think that was kind of what made the music industry in its heyday um so successful is that there were people that could could hear music all day long and could hear hits right you know what i mean yeah and and i'm not I, i i don't think a lot of people are around like that anymore because there's not people that literally sit and listen to hundreds and hundreds of different songs all day long trying to find the next hit for the radio. Right. Because right. that's not how music is designed nowadays. That's not how the business is even set up anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so I think sometimes when you give an artist too, too, too loose of a reins that you can end up with a watered down product sometimes like that. Just because, you know, uh, it's tough to know what songs to cut and what songs to leave on. And and half of an album is sequencing. You know what I mean? Knowing what songs need to go in what orders. And And what album, what song should close it? You know, what song should open it? Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I don't want to sound too negative of it, but like, I think in the end, the product can be not as good when it's... 
so when because you have so many yeah. of the convincing case that you've reinforced here, Levi, I take this back. I am grateful for the old format <laughs> rather than seeing any upside to streaming, which was my original inclusion on this list. So I've changed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Levi in this. It's like, OK, think about it this way, right? You get the Criterion collection of a movie that you like, right? With all the extra shit, you know, on DVD or Blu-ray. You watch the deleted scenes, and while it may be cool to see them at first, you watch them a few times, you're like, oh, I see why this scene was deleted, right? It, it doesn't, you know, further the plot or help develop the characters really all that much, you know? I mean, it's it's kind of, I think you can apply it's that a principle. Of, you can apply that principle to tracks, too, you know? In the 90s, when they started doing all the deluxe editions of all the albums, right. when they would remaster something and you would... You know, when they did that with the Beatles, with those Beatles, um, what were they, those Beatles anthologies? The oh, right, yeah. Which, like, aren't really out. that enjoyable. No, I love no. The Beatles. You, like, yeah. yeah. I love it's the like, Beatles, and to try to listen to those, it's like oh. outtakes of different cuts of, you know, it's like the 37th take of it's Strawberry the, Fields or it's whatever. It's the rib tips of the Beatles collection, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're not even delicious rib tips. I, yeah. right. I'll, I'll defend the anthology, the Beatles anthologies, but go on. I just I, I, that was like a cash move, obviously, with the Beatles. But like, but that, that's just a collection of songs. That's that's not right. an album. That's not a con- single concept. True. Um, yeah. But I'm with Levi, though. I mean, like that. You, you know, it's like like editing is as it's kind of like the old saying, like, you know, I don't know, write drunk, edit sober. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. right. I yeah. mean, you, um, editing, editing is just as important as creating sometimes. Sure. And, sure. and I think that, uh, you know, not every novel should be 500 pages, you know, I mean, not every, so, so I, I, yeah. The history of, of popular music from, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, there are producers that you can pick that were at the top of their craft. You know what I mean? We could fill a list of those decades of the producers who were the the who's who of people producing music. Right. And, you know, it wasn't a fluke that they were successful. They were doing it a ton, and they were doing it with tons of different artists, whereas... It, 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 me producing my band at home or in my, you know what I mean? When music, music has gotten so, so easily accessible to be made now that there, the levels of editing and the levels of the whole, the whole project is different, I guess, in my mind to where it, it's hard to find quality independently produced projects nowadays because of things we've been talking about. Well, I I, I don't know um, uh, if if I've had how often I'll stumble upon a record and think, man, this record's too long. Uh, I I think that uh, you know, but nowadays, even though people do have a a limitless uh, 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 um, uh, time uh, allotment, uh, they I actually see them regressing back from the the cd length where okay so it, it's interesting that in in after 45s then they figured out 12 inch albums could hold what about 38 to 40 minutes right yeah mm-hmm. it's about 40 thir- thir- minutes. Thir- yeah yeah and and 
so that those producers were just working within those constraints. And somewhere along the line, somebody's like, well, fuck, why don't we just put two records in the album? And or then we three, can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, right? and, yeah. And, and ultimately, and, and I'll give this caveat, I think 40 minutes is like the perfect amount. That being said, when when CDs came along, then you saw things starting to inch into 50 minutes, Absolutely. 55 minutes, 65 sure. minutes. Soundgarden yes. Super Unknown is 70 minutes long, and I wouldn't yep. take one song off that record. So it can be done. But no, it, 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 it all depends on the vision and, and, and Levi, to your point about tracking, you know, what order are those tracks in? How do you keep me interested eight songs in knowing that there's right? nine more to go? Exactly. That's not easy. No, it's right. not. <laughs> and, it is not. And so since then, since, since CDs have, have, have gone out of vogue, I, I find more records falling back under that 50 minute mark. And I remember being offended like the first time Pearl Jam released a record and it wasn't 50 minutes long. I was like, what's the deal, man? This record is only 44 minutes long. That's right. bullshit. But no, <laughs> it's 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 in my opinion, 40 to 45 minutes is the perfect amount of time to really digest a record, appreciate it and not um, and not grow tired or exhausted or just start losing interest. Right. Um but yeah, it all boils down to intent and, and how good you are at, at concentrating your intent. Sure. Well, yeah. And I mean, I would rather have, you know, at the end of the day, like a killer EP. Give me give me like four four rivers than eight or ten songs that I'm, you know, that four or five of them I have to skip over. You know what I mean? Or, or Levi, songs Levi, that... Levi, Levi wants uh, the the. <laughs> All bangers, no snoozers. <laughs> yeah. All right, the cream, yeah. the cream rises to the top. Do you? Right. <laughs> so I, I never, I rarely find myself listening to an album that I feel like I have to skip songs. If I feel like I have to skip songs, I'm probably not going to listen to the record at all. Um, how often do you guys skip songs on an album? If listening to vinyl, it just depends. If I'm kind of like DJing and just listening to tracks. You know what I oh mean? Like, yeah, no, but yeah, but like most yeah. of the time on a record, I'll listen to the whole side. Sure. And then, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. With my digital intake, it's all mixes now. You know what I mean? I'm cherry picking single songs and making mixes, so I can't say I listen to lots of full albums digitally. I I don't get to as much as I used to, and I think that's part of it's just the the medium I'm listening. I'm I'm streaming them. And secondly, I just don't like. I feel like I don't have the time to give it the attention it deserves. Sure, always, sure. well, like in college, I did, you know, because like I went to class and fucking came home and partied, you know. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like yeah, I could be like, yeah, I could, I could listen to a, I'd listen to a Pearl Jam or a Black Crows record, like you know, sometimes start to finish three times in one day, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't have the time anymore to do that. When I do, it's nice. I mean, it's usually like a jazz record, just because I'm getting older and lamer i guess but like yeah i think um, it goes to a point where you get older and you need music for a different reason you know what i mean you um like you want something like a lot of times that you can have on in the background if you're doing some work or you're doing something something that's easier on the palate to digest and you're not having to be like super critical of it or like sure. listen intently to every lyric or the motion yeah. and the, the vocals or yeah, like, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, you can, you can, you can, you can supplement it with something else if you need to, you know? So, yeah. Um, 
I, I don't get to, so it's how much I, I skip tracks. Fuck, I guess I, I I don't know if I want to quantify it. I would just say regularly at this point, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I just some of my favorite records, I just the opportunities for me to sit there and absorb them like I used to, like is is just not as as plentiful as it once was. I mean, there are a handful of records every year that I listen to that are newer records that are you know I can. I, I can devote that time to them, but not not like as much as I listened to used to with like, you know, like sort of classic bands that I like. Sure. I don't, sure. I don't. Yeah. And, and I'm not suggesting that I, you know, I, I, I sit back with my pipe and, and I and I listen to <laughs> full records all day long. Right. Right. Um, it, it is while I work. But um, yeah, it is one record at a time. And and I'm 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 I guess I'm surprised I, I'm in the minority in that I I will play an album in its entirety and then played another album yeah. in its entirety and, and more to you like if i were like if i yeah. like heard this like 15 years ago I'd be like oh that guy doesn't listen to the album entirely he's fucking lame you know like <laughs> right um, i'm not judging yeah. i'm not judging i think yeah. it's like you say it's circumstances that allow us sure. to do these things right so. yeah like i yeah. said on if i'm listening to vinyl i typically always listen to the full side of a record and then if i don't flip it and listen to the other side i i throw on another record and listen to that full side mm-hmm. yeah okay no, fascinating. We could do a whole episode on this. We should probably, since we're, since we're averaging about 15 minutes a topic here, we should probably, uh, for selection, we should probably move on. Anyway. Okay, so is it my turn then? Um, it is. Um, well, we'll keep it talking about vinyl. Um, one of the things I'm most thankful for, um, right after we had moved to Colorado, in uh 2015 me and jonathan were just talking it's crazy it was five years ago and um there's a little town next to loveland called Greeley, Greeley, colorado and um i was going around all the thrift stores in colorado because i noticed right after i moved there that it seemed like the thrift stores there were just like gold mines for vinyl like i would find really awesome shape classic rock and like you know, classic folk albums and jazz records. And just, it was all plentiful. It was like every day at the thrift store, they would bring out another handful or two of them. Mm. And, um, I remember I didn't realize there was a Goodwill in this town of, of Greeley. And so I drove over there and I started going there daily. And so I got to know the lady who like pushed out the cart of books and like records and CDs and so one morning I drove over there because they opened at 9 a.m. And um, I didn't have to work that day. So I drove over there. And right when I got there, she was pushing out a cart of stuff. And she's like, oh, I, there's a few records on here today. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those um, record cases, you know, that maybe held 20, 30 records kind of out of the 60s. They had a handle on top, you know, right. the top flips open. And so leather bound. Uh, well, like Tolex, fake leather, sure, you know, sure. and, um, yeah, similar, but 12 inch size. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, she opens it up and starts to take out the records of it and it's like all classical stuff, which there was a ton of that in Colorado too, which granted, sometimes I buy classical records if they're on certain labels cause they're really good quality. Um, but these were all just kind of like run-of-the-mill classical albums. And then in the middle of it was like literally it's the holy grail of Jimi Hendrix Are You Experienced records. It's 
the original mono tricolor reprise label of are you experienced what that means is the label on the record on both sides has green pink and yellow it's like the first first mono pressing of this album and like the jacket was in really good shape and i was like holy shit and so i pulled the record out and you could like eat off of it almost it's like pristine oh and they sold all the records for a dollar 99 Wow. <laughs> so I got that record for a dollar ninety-nine. Wow. And yeah, it books for like I think four to six hundred bucks or something like that. And so yeah, yeah it's man. like one of my prized prized finds. And so yeah, I'm super thankful for that record. <laughs> and just and, because and it's to a find great, it in that great way. Album, right? Yeah, to find it, yeah, to find yeah. it at a thrift store, it's oh. I tell people and they're like, no way. And it's just like I wish I had a camera. You know what I mean? There were there was a lot of stuff like that in Colorado where I found like stereo equipment and speakers and vintage receivers and stuff like that to where it would just blow your mind. Like mm. uh, people give this stuff away and then thrift stores were selling it for like next to nothing. So that that uh, rejuvenates your your need to hunt, oh, right? Oh my god, yeah! As soon as you, you find something like that, then you're like the next day, you're like, well, I'm gonna go to this other thrift store, maybe there'll be something else, you know? Wow. But yeah, as if I, you'll, it'll ever compare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the the best record picking of my life is was out in Colorado, just because right. it was just it was plentiful, it was everywhere. Nice, nice. Oh man. All right, so I'm next. Uh, uh, do you guys have baseball ones coming up next, or uh, I do? Uh, you, okay, okay, all right. I was gonna go baseball if if you didn't, um, but I'll I'll go music. Um, all right, so mine. Uh, one of my my favorite things is uh, that band that nobody you know appreciates like you do. Okay. All right, so bear with me. So music, by its very nature, is is communal, and and not just for those playing in the band, but also for those listening as well. So when you're when you attend a concert, you're with, as Kurt Vonnegut uh, put it, a grand faloon, which is a group of people who share an identity that is relatively meaningless. So granted, uh, childhood friendships are often solidified by mutual appreciation for a band, of course. And I think about junior high and high school, I listened to pretty much the same roster of artists as my close friends, you guys. And I knew of others in school who liked the same bands I did, but I didn't go out of my way to bring them into my existing inner circle of friends or try to join their inner circle because there's more to a long lasting Mm -hmm. friendship than just music. Right. And our other interests or personality traits likely didn't align. And often at this age, it's it's the things we don't understand about somebody that will scare us away and prevent a long-lasting friendship. So as, as we got older and moved to separate cities, attended different colleges or started careers, our musical interests uh, with between me and my friends uh, started to branch off into very distinct and more lonely regions. Lonely, for lack of a better word. That, that trunk of mutual appreciation was still there. Everything that, that came after... Uh, was rooted to it after all. But music recommendations from friends were no longer these edicts that were guaranteed to have long-lasting effects on your listening habits. Sure, you you might enjoy a suggested band and and spin the record a couple of times, but it it was just as likely as not to fall into your heavy rotation. And that's fine. I mean, it didn't like affect your friendship. So knowing this, it's interesting and startling to think of it from the reverse perspective. 
you are recommend, recommending music to friends who, for whatever reason, just won't latch on to it like you sure. did. <laughs> the, 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 this lack of positive reinforcement right. on right. your tastes in high school, uh, like it, that could easily cause you to suppress uh, the, those, the taste for that band that nobody else likes. But as an adult, however, to put it crassly, you just generally don't give a fuck, right? In fact, it, right. it can feel as if you have a secret outlet of appreciation, a one-to-one connection even for an artist that you get and that gets you in a way maybe not even... Uh, our best friends can understand anymore. And this can be an artist or just as likely an entire genre of music that you connect to on a visceral level, enabling or coalescing with your daily emotions. On an individual artist level, I think you see this come through with our annual Chewin Hall of of Fame inductees. Sure, Sure, you guys might appreciate the contributions of J.J. Kale or Kevin Kinney, but when I induct them, part of you is likely thinking, man, this guy really likes Kevin Kinney on a level that I would never know. Uh, I'm reading into my soul, Gets. Anyway. (laughs) And the feelings reciprocate, and that's okay, because you telling me about these types of favorite artists tells me more about you and the ways you've grown than daily texting ever could right and and i love knowing that you have these artists that inspire you on such levels because it indicates uh, there are parts of your personality that i'm still trying to get to know but will i will never completely understand and that's not off-putting at all like it is in high school sure. rather it, it creates a deeper respect for a friend uh who had grown into their own I so see. bands that nobody appreciates like you do mm-hmm. Well played, man. Well played. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we've all got them. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I. Uh, I mean, every, every, every person's got their Tesla, like I do. You know. Right. I mean. Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've we had an episode, and thank you. Yeah, it was it was well done. Um, I we've had an episode. We had an episode early on in the podcast, early season. Um, when we talked about bands that like a lot of your friends kind of dog and or and you don't really you, you never really got it or like you know your friends just aren't into or like their bands that like like a lot of people are turned off by i remember that now so i was thinking of that i mean like i've got there's always we'll always have a band too it's kind of a tough sell for like a friend you know like like i sometimes don't get why like and I think it's because like a lot of people just think they're douchebags, but like I say, so what? I mean, if you probably got to know a lot of the musicians that you listen to, you'd probably realize they're maybe not douchebags, but they're at least assholes, you know? Yeah, um, we all well, can be. Yeah, yeah it, right. It, it, like it, Oasis, it. you know? I say Oasis. I mean, like I, I think fucking Oasis is great. I mean, mm-hmm. I I slagged them at the time that they came out. You know, I was like, oh, this is just popular and stupid, you know? Because I'm. 16 and i know everything you know like right um but yeah like but then like i tell that to some people and they're like oh you know like oasis and i'm like well blah 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 and i'll like pretty much like give a dissertation on oasis and they're still like you're like mathematically this adds (laughs) up like like, you see this they're influenced by bands you like right Right. i just like like, jim blossom's better yeah, right. No, I mean, just, yeah. So I, no, it was it was well put, man. I mean, we've all got bands that like we'll we'll defend to the to the death, or bands that reveal, like you said, ask corners of people's personalities that you don't quite know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well done. Thanks. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. Oh, it's me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this will be quick. Um, I think. Uh, but anyway, 
you know, a lot of the the baseball card brands that we grew up with have obviously they've um, they fizzled out or or um, just, you know, with the decline in popularity of baseball cards. It's kind of nice to see like tops sort of rebranding itself a little bit. You know, they have merchandise and things like that now. Um, I'd like to see them like get into the realm of like board games and 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 video games more, you know. But I like the fact that like I don't know how popular it is, but I see it in my Instagram feed all the time. Like like the tops is kind of rebranding itself and I hope it leads to more appreciation for the baseball era we all kind of grew up on, you know, the eighties and early nineties. So I, I, I just, just saying I'm appreciative that the tops is still around is at least trying yeah. to reinvent itself, For you sure. know? Yeah. So the, it's, um, it's strange that, you know, it felt like when we were younger, it was marketed a lot more to kids. Sure. Whereas today it's marketed more to, to older adults and people that have more, flexible money when a hobby box that has a guaranteed hit costs like $80 or whatever, sure. you know what I mean? Right. Right. And so I think if like one of the things, and we kind of talked about, you know, what they need to do with video games, with baseball video games to, to bring them back up to a uh, heightened popularity. One of the things I think tops could do is they need to kind of market more to kids again. Yeah. Somehow. Uh, you, because yeah. that's what's going to have to drive the hobby. You know what I mean? You can't sure. just you can't just, just continually like market to Gen X. Yeah, to, it's like yeah, twenty sure. year old to fifty year olds. Right. Well, I yeah, that's I mean that's that's being generous there. I think it's more like like forty year olds to fifty year olds. Um, Probably, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I, I but I don't know. Maybe it's it's more of a niche thing now. I think that. Like, let's say, like, I mean, how many people wouldn't like a really dope, good-looking shirt with, like, the Mark Grace 89 tops on it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They could right. totally market a lot like, of their... Put those out. Yeah. That I, era I stuff to our generation. We would lap right. it up. Right. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I yeah, sure. If, if more kids latched onto baseball, I'd be happy. Um, but, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to... Could be wrong. I don't know if it's yeah, yeah, like you, you said, now it's become such a niche thing because you know there's so many other things to be into nowadays. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a crowded, crowded marketplace. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> <It is>. right. <laughs> Whereas when we were kids, you know, comic books, baseball cards, those were the things that but, pretty much got our money. <laughs> I don't know. I guys, I would say with the la- the way the last like like like. Ten days have gone. I think people are going to be like just like doing cartwheels in the streets when any professional sport comes back. <laughs> quite <laughs> frankly, yeah, and it, it might people, just be baseball. Yeah, yeah. I think people yeah. will be like, God, ah, Mariners and A's on a Wednesday. Yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I that's hope. Just I hope day. that's it. Because God, yeah. But anyway, let's, let's let's not think about that right now. <laughs> something about what's going on beyond this podcast anyway so yeah yeah, tops keep up the good work want to see absolutely yeah yeah keep 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 coming with the uh uh, re uh reissuing the retro designs with uh current players sure um doing that every year yeah Yeah. keep it going well yeah good stuff um for my next one we'll keep the baseball theme going and this is 
probably one of the things I'm thankful for the most in baseball. It may sound weird, but we've talked about this numerous times on this podcast. You guys know what I'm talking about, and that's Diamond Kings. (laughs) Diamond Kings are some of the greatest things ever to come out in our lifetime. And I'm talking like 82 to 96, like the first era of Diamond Kings. Of course, yeah. And um, they're just so fucking classic, man. I don't know. There's just we, will you describe about. Diamond Kings for those who might not be familiar? Okay, yeah, Diamond Kings. He's actually I'm just going to rip off his shirt and show you the Fred <laughs> McGriff on yeah, his yeah. back. All I, right? I, had, I had Dick Perez give me a tattoo. <laughs> um, and so, no, yeah, Diamond Kings were created by uh, a guy named Dick Perez and Don Russ. And starting in 1982, Dick Perez would do portraits of people that I'm not sure if there was like a guy at Donruss who was like giving him a list or like, I don't know. It wasn't the always the best player on the team. Yeah, it's like the criteria right, right, to get right. a Diamond King was like, like the same guy who worked for starting lineups. Like, like he, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so, some people got Diamond Kings that you're like, really? Yeah. It's the but, scrappy uh, team leader. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. Regardless, once you got a Diamond King, you were enshrined in paint forever by Dick Perez. And um, they're just awesome, man. The the backgrounds of them all were always different. The style of each yep. year was different. Um, and so it's been one of my, my goals. You know, I started this probably 10 years ago. Where I got all of the original 82 to 96 Diamond Kings. I, what? You got I, all of them? I have them all. Yeah, yeah I have them all in a box. So, but that's not good enough. Um, right. What I've tried to do now is I've bought a second set of each of them. And I'm trying to either have or buy them already autographed. So I'm trying Ooh. to get the entire 1982 to 96 Diamond Kings all autographed. Fucking right, man. Wow. And I have maybe like probably like a quarter to a third of them autographed yeah yeah damn yeah nice. i mean like very bonds was a diamond king dude, for I for think. years yeah. i would i would just kind of like snipe auctions on ebay and find them for like three or four five bucks a card mm-hmm. um i think the most expensive one i ever spent was like i spent 20 bucks on a nolan ryan one sweet and so yeah i uh it's the uh, '80s Nolan Ryan one too. It's not yeah, the, it's the Astros. Yeah, it's the Astros. Yeah. It's right, from like yeah. I think '80. I have that one. '84 somewhere around there. Yeah, I have that one. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, it's uh, that's how how much I love Diamond King. <laughs> Just so you know, yeah, it's become like an obsession. I, you should you should make a coffee table book with Dick Perez. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be wonderful. It would be, you know, great colors, great, great, great paper stock, you know, have them nice and big blown up oh, and yeah, Dick right. Perez, like, like a quick Q and a between you and Dick, uh, about, you know, any given, uh, uh, Diamond King. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that'd be choice. Yeah, no, they, they're just some of the most iconic cards of my youth. And your guys' too. I'm, you know, I mean, I, I don't expect you to have the same love for them that I do. But, like, they're literally, I can think yeah. of, they're some of the most iconic cards of my youth. I mean, I remember one of the first ones I remember was the, what, 86 Conseco, I think. There was a mm-hmm. Conseco. Then there was an 87 Cardinals Ozzie Smith that seemed like everybody had that one. Right. Um, 
the 88 Andre Dawson was a really popular Diamond King. It seemed like everybody had that. And there was only the, ever one player per team, correct? It, yeah, it was typically one player per team. So I think in some years that dictated like... Yeah, you wouldn't have Dawson like, every like, year. Yeah, you know, they're like, ah, oh, who are we going to pick off the 83 Mariners or whatever? You know what I mean? Right, like, or right. whoever. Yeah, it can't well, be... They, uh, What's his name? <laughs> Alvin. Um, was it Alvin? Uh, oh, Al- Alvin Harper. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Alvin. There was an Alvin on the Mariners, right? It's Alvin Harper, right? I think. Hayes. Was it Alvin Hayes? I don't remember. Oh no, no. Uh, it's Al- 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 Alvin Harper was a Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. Is it? It's um. There, Alvin Hayes. H a y e s. Alvin Davis. Alvin Davis. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. Anyway, go ahead. Like before the Mar- before like the Mariners got Griffey, he was like the only like you know him and Lang- Mark Langston were like the only like really like stars they had. Anyway, you go guys ahead. Have, like iconic Diamond King of your of your collecting days that you can remember. Yes, yes, and and it's in and and uh, it's relative obscurity will delight you in that it was a '90s Red Sox Diamond King Carlos Quintana. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that speaks to the uh, the depth that they had to go sometimes. I remember the the Greenwell Diamond King pretty well. Mike Greenwell Diamond King. Oh yeah, uh, that's been like ninety ninety top. Yeah, maybe he's right around there. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I don't know. I, I'd have to. I'd have to think about my favorite Diamond King. I can't answer that. Right um. Now. And and now I would like to confess that I may have made up the Diamond King of Carlos Quintana because. <laughs> I just typed it in. I'm like, I'm not seeing this, but maybe yeah. you, you didn't have to type that in, Levi. I admit it, right? You were like, I know there is a new Carlos Quintana. Diamond For some King. reason, it's it's the 1990 Carlos Quintana Don Russ card that that okay. sticks in. It's like my top five catalog of cards. Just when I think of baseball cards in general, that is in my top five. And for some reason, I, I decided the Greenwell's that 89. The Greenwell's 89. Don the Greenwell's Russ. a nice one. Yes, it is. Um, the Kevin Seitz or Diamond King is is good one um, because, you know, at the time, you know, he was the local boy in central Illinois. Um, and uh, it was it was awesome to see him represented. Uh, so what is that? Eighty nine Kevin Seitz or Diamond King? Yeah. So yeah. Levi, also, you don't uh, have to tell me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. You have to tell me right now, Levi, but like I'd like to I'd be curious to see how many players had two had multiple Diamond Kings. Because uh, I know there's a Mark Langston here from I see an '88 and a '92. Dawson, there's an Expos and a Cubs. Okay. Um, trying to think who else I know of for sure. Ripken, I think has two. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, later I think King Griffey Jr. had one in '90, and then like '90, '92, '94, somewhere around there. Okay. Um. Cool. Yeah, that's just off the top of my head really quick. <laughs> right. Cool. Nolan Ryan, obviously. All right. We're, we're, we're at about an hour here, so uh, I'll finish the round, I guess. Yeah, let's uh, do that. Finish that, and then we'll... we'll yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. Uh... So uh, I'll, I'll add another baseball item. One of my favorite things uh, uh, that I, I'm also very grateful for um, in the world of baseball is daytime playoff baseball oh yeah uh a thing about me is i love light 
I, I love I love the way that sunlight comes in rooms and things. Sure. Um, not to the point where like I'm an artist or an architect or anything, but just like enough to appreciate it, right? So especially late afternoon light in the autumn. And when you pair that light with the shadows created by a baseball stadium in October, it is a unique feeling. Sure. Uh, this is this is light and shadow play that we rarely see in baseball, considering the time of year and the first pitch time. So this is uh, this is daytime playoff baseball. So the like the the two o'clock first pitch, and you know it's the start uh, of uh, of three or four weeks of exciting playoff baseball because the daytime games usually only come at the very beginning of the playoffs. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to take a peek at the game during the work day, oh man, it's like such a treat uh, to, uh, to, to, to see that, you know, often it's in Oakland because Oakland is hosting the wild card game yeah. and it's, it's, and it's earlier over there anyway. So, you know, a, a two or three o'clock first pitch uh, here. Like in a three Central o'clock time zone. game. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, one right. o'clock over there. And, and, and and if you look closely, yeah, it's just shadows that you rarely see uh, in, in in baseball throughout the year because it's the sun is different. You know, the sun is higher, and uh, and and the concern is always when the batter is in the shadows and the pitcher is not in its advantage pitcher uh, supposedly, sure, sure. even though there's yeah. like I don't think there's any stats to like back that up that it's actually a problem. Um, but the, the announcement. I would imagine talk. Fangraphs has at least dug into it, though. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I heard it referenced on Effectively Wild that that, that there isn't evidence that, that it's a problem. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know if Fangraphs has yet, but we'll, I'll, I'll look it up. And, uh, yeah, so daytime playoff baseball is something I will never not appreciate. That's... Now, if, if we could only get one more daytime World Series game, then oh, God, yeah, we'll, that'd be we'll, awesome. we'll have one. Yeah, that, yeah, that I, would be sweet. Yeah, they should. Yeah, they should. They should try at least. I mean, at least even if you could go for a Saturday or a Sunday day right. World right. Series game, why not? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. yeah the, the the downside is that you're going up against the NFL um, at that time of the year. Sure. Um, yeah. And and Saturday and, college yeah. football. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, they would they would get their asses handed to them in terms of the ratings, but just do it, man. Do it for the kids. Let them watch right. a full right. game. Yeah, I'm totally. to go to bed in the seventh inning. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up as a Cubs fan, you know, I was privileged to see a lot uh, of day yeah. games. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know, they Different don't have a lot of yeah. the the importance as a playoff. <laughs> Not a lot in October. <laughs> no. Right, right. Yeah, Eighty-four and eighty-nine, but yeah. No, but that is that is so crazy that like you know it took them till what nineteen eighty-eight to add lights. Yeah, eighty-eight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, nice. I can remember as a kid well, vividly. My parents both had shirts, rig- and I may have yeah, even right. had one too. They remember said daytime dynamites. Yeah, daytime dynamites. Nice. Yeah, and it was like a cartoon bear, like fiercely holding the bat. Right. And it right. said daytime dynamites, Chicago nice. Cubs. Nice. Well, lots All of right. lots of fun to to stroll down memory lane here, guys. Um, Thanks for helping me escape. Absolutely. Yeah. Likewise, everybody needs that right now. Um, So I want to remind everybody, yeah, you can find all of our episodes at rockchew.com as well as um, on YouTube or your favorite streaming app. Catch us there. Um, Get caught up if you haven't, uh, if you missed a few. Um, And also want to tell everybody you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rock in chew in as in nolan ryan is 
a beautiful Diamond King. Um, and uh, also, yeah, um, just uh, pop in and say hello to us on Facebook as well. Um, until we meet again next time, we'll hopefully get through this list within the next couple of years. But um, next time, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I don't want to I, I obviously want to talk to you guys more. Um, so I hope we have another episode soon we can finish but, this thing by the end of the month yes but also <laughs> like if we came back next time and baseball was going on that would be awesome too um so yeah we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed either way i'm just hoping and there's it, still internet by the time we yes get to the right, next right right <laughs> yeah like maybe I'm, I'm, i might be aiming a little high with baseball but yeah. um but uh count your blessings folks um <laughs> but anyway um so We'll see everybody next time. It's been fun. Uh, check out rockchew.com and uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and take care of one another. Bye-bye. Peace.